Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. For the past year, Portland neurosurgeon Daryl Brett has not been charging his patients for his services, but not out of the kindness of his heart. It's because of disciplinary actions against him by the Oregon Medical Board. The regulatory body began a series of investigations in 2017. It found that Brett had over-prescribed painkillers, grossly overcharged patients for procedures, and referred patients to a medical testing company that he owned. According to Willamette Week reporter Lucas Manfield, the story is about more than one surgeon. It reflects systemic oversight failures. Lucas joins us now. Welcome back. Thank you. I want to start with the basics here. Who is Daryl Brett? Yeah, Dr. Brett, um, he's a really well-known neurosurgeon in the Portland area, um, very wealthy, does a lot of surgeries. Um, he founded a you know outpatient surgery center down in Wilsonville, runs an office out of the Adventist Hospital. Um, so yeah, really, really well-known, very long career. Long-time Portlanders or readers of Willamette Week may remember his name, not just from surgeries, but from another incident, which goes back to 1995. What did you find when you went into the archives? Yeah, a very well-known incident. Um, basically, he was uh, accused by a uh, essentially like a parking attendant at Portland Airport of, you know, that he got, he, he left his car essentially in the drop-off lane, um, common. Um, but then basically she was writing him up a ticket and then he rammed her so hard that she ended up on the hood of his car kind of being dragged along and you know this kind of horrific incident ended up in court uh there was like a civil lawsuit and the jury ended up handing out a one one million dollar verdict which was you know just really eye-popping and ended up making you know we wrote about it at William week and you know national news outlets ended up writing about it as well so it was just made everyone kind of knew about this incident at the time your recent article is as much about this one surgeon, Daryl Brett, as it is about the Oregon Medical Board. What is this board? Yeah, the Oregon Medical Board basically enforces this kind of series of statutes and rules that kind of define what is acceptable behavior by physicians, various medical professionals, but in this case, you know, physicians. Um, and so basically they take in complaint. I mean, they have many roles, you know, they kind of hand out licenses and do administrative tasks like that, but they also um, take in complaints and then it, they do investigations of these complaints and then come to, um, they discipline doctors if they find uh, the findings are sustained. How much power do they have? I mean, if they decide to actually wield it? I mean, they can pull someone's license. I mean, so they have a lot of power um, when they cho choose to wield it. I mean, generally, in almost all cases, you know, they kind of come to agreements where they they help the ideas to kind of help doctors fix the problems and get back on track. Hmm. So let's turn to some of the actions that led the medical board to investigate Dr. Brett. They fall into two broad categories, one about money that we'll get to in a bit and one about opioid prescribing. Can you tell us what happened to one of his patients, Glenn Jones? Yeah, in the Glenn Jones case, so basically, um, well, in the Glenn Jones case, what happened was he um, he, he had uh, 
injury on a bus, fell over, hurt his back. Um, he was operated on by Daryl Brett. And um, he, he'd he been taking a lot of painkillers that were being prescribed by his um, other physicians. And Brett kind of piled on more. Um, and what, when the and he ended up overdosing and dying um, subsequently after the surgery. And uh, when, when the board looked at it, looked at it, they basically said, you know, Daryl Brett, Dr. Brett really needed to have reviewed kind of his past prescriptions and, and needed to have, you know, made smarter decisions about, you know, what to have prescribed him and, um, you know, been more careful. Um, and so, yeah. How, how much of a, of a pattern or practice did the board find in terms of either over-prescribing um, opioids or not paying enough attention to the totality of what patients were taking? Yes, yeah, it was really a pattern. I mean, lots of patients. I think the final number in the investigation was around 10. Um, and, and basically, the pattern was that he, he wasn't reviewing documentation or doing tests to find out you know, how many opioids that person was already taking, was he following up and making sure that they were taking the appropriate amounts? Um, and the board found that it was negligent prescribing behavior. You did note that you heard from one of Brett's defenders, a former colleague named Jordy Kellogg, that Brett was not unique among neurosurgeons in terms of doling out lots of opioids. He told you, quote, we deal with people in pain. Is there a way to to know if that's true, a way to compare the prescribing habits of different doctors. Yeah. So um, I think what you're getting at is that the, the state keeps a database, right? And so, I mean, we have, this has been a national problem, the issue of opioids being misused um, and, you know, re resulting in countless deaths around the country. Um, and so one of the ways that states are responding to this problem is that they're they're trying to keep track of who's getting prescribed opioids, who's prescribing opioids, how much opioids. And so they keep these databases. And so Oregon set up its database in 2009. And I think one of the major things the board kind of faulted Dr. Brett for is that there wasn't any record they were able to find that he was actually checking this database. Hmm. So let's turn to another big issue um, that the board looked into, which is financial issues. Um, one of the issues had to do with sending patients to, to get tests, urine tests. What did they find? Basically, that he he was charging a lot of money for a test that shouldn't have cost that much, um, and so um, basically he'd started this company that basically was charging you know up to five thousand dollars for these urine tests, and then was farming it out to another company to actually do the work of doing the test. Um, and as the board said, you know these tests should have charged should have cost, you know, at most like four hundred bucks. So it was a massive markup, and it wasn't even really clear what. Dr. Brett's company was even really doing besides just handing out these giant bills. So ostensibly, seemingly a kind of shell company that was purely created um, for, for markup uh, as opposed to even doing the tests themselves. It would certainly appear that way. Hmm. And that is separate from simply charging more than seems to be standard for procedures themselves. What did you find about that? So the board also found evidence that he was charging, I mean, in one case, upwards of $50,000 for surgery that the board said it should have cost, you know, between one and $3,000. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, from from their perspective, in, in that case, it was just an, a massive upcharging. And I mean, he kind of was able to do it uh, for a couple ways. Like one, he would he, in that case, he he coded for procedures that he wasn't actually performing. And then he, you know, he wasn't billing typical health insurance. He was, he was, it was an auto accident. So it was being paid for through other ways. And so the, the insurance company wasn't really pushing back against this, this massive bill as it would have if it was a normal health insurer. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with reporter Lucas Manfield, who covers various criminal justice issues for Willamette Week. He recently wrote about Daryl Brett, a Portland neurosurgeon who has been the subject of numerous investigations by the Oregon Medical Board. And I should say that the board in total found that his actions constituted gross negligence in the practice of medicine. So let's turn to the repercussions for this doctor. What did the board actually do? So it was pretty quickly after they started investigating, they put limits on what he could prescribe. Um, so that was kind of the first thing. And that was back in like 2018. Um, and then as the investigation continued, they started getting more complaints, finding more patients. Um, they were uncovering the financial improprieties. Um, and then in 2022, they basically came to this agreement with Dr. Brett saying, okay, you know, you can continue practicing, but you're going to have to be a volunteer. You're going to have to switch your medical status to something known as emeritus, which essentially requires, it says you can continue practicing, but you can't take any money from patients to do it. Um, yeah. How common is an arrangement like that? As a disciplinary tool, it does not appear to be very common at all. I mean, when I was talking with a board spokesperson, you know, they were only able to come up with two examples of having come to that agreement in the past. What did you learn from that spokesman or other people you talked to about why and how the board came up with this deal? Yes, you can keep practicing. No, you can't charge money for it. Well, it's so it's a good question because the board is extremely secretive about these investigations. Like we, you know, I can get certain documents with the findings of the investigations, but I, I can't actually see anything of the materials of how they conducted the investigation um, or anything or even the complaints themselves. Um, so it's a difficult question for me to answer about why they came up with this agreement. But I'll say that I, I think I would assume the board was you know, pretty shocked by the findings of the, the financial problems. And, you know, they, they tend to come to these sort of settlement agreements with doctors where, you know, they they um, negotiate essentially down to something that both sides can live with. And I assume Dr. Brett is, you know, he's, you know, he, he planned to retire soon. He's approaching the end of his career. Um, it probably wasn't the, the worst outcome for him. You do note near the end of the article that um, that, that agreement is no longer going to be the status quo pretty soon, right? He's now going to simply be prevented from practicing medicine pretty soon. So, so what changed? Well, so you remember back in 2018, uh, when the board started this investigation, they came to an agreement of Brett saying, hey, you need to not stop these prescribing patterns that seem very problematic. Um, the board found uh, during their investigation that essentially he they found, came up with another case where after that agreement, uh, he continued to essentially prescribe um, two medications that are particularly dangerous when prescribed together. Um, and so basically they, you know, after they came to this first agreement, they said, hey, you broke it. Um, we're going to look at 
uh, additional sanctions. And so the agreement this time around was that he, I mean, I had heard previously that he was planning on retiring uh, this summer. And so basically the board said, hey, you know, we're going to make that permanent. Um, you, you know, you're going to lose your license uh, beginning this summer. So five, six, eight, ten strikes and you're out, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly one way to look at it. <laughs> So let's get back to the the bigger issue here. After your story came out, the Secretary of State's office released an audit looking into the oversight of of healthcare practitioners in Oregon. What did you find to be the most important findings from the audit? The, so this recent audit, the Secretary of State has kind of been on um, – well, yeah, looking at this most recent audit, I, I think it was an effort to understand these patterns of how the board was sanctioning doctors and was it always consistent, right? Because as I was explaining before, it's really a black box in terms of how the, the sort of sanctions and the sort of agreements that they come to of doctors. So I think the Secretary of State was curious if this was actually fair. Um, and, uh, you know, reading the report, um, I think they reviewed a couple dozen cases and I don't think they found any glaring examples of things that were unfair, but they really faulted the board in terms of like the record keeping and, you know, making it more transparent how they were coming to these, these decisions. Um, and I believe the board, you know, ultimately agreed and said, Hey, yeah, we, we, we agree. We're going to make some changes to our process to try to make it uh, more transparent. Well, just back to Dr. Brett's example that, that you really focused on. What do you think his story, this example says about the larger context of medical practitioner oversight in Oregon. Well, so one thing that really, you know, I, I've kind of written a series of stories about doctors being sanctioned by the medical board. And, and one thing that really strikes me is that, you know, the board by law and by role essentially only responds to complaints. It doesn't go out and try to find problematic doctors. And I think that they're actually prohibited by law from essentially using this database to go find doctors that have problematic prescribing patterns um, unless a complaint comes in. And this is something that other states do, right? Many other states across the country kind of are more proactive in using these databases. And it's something that, you know, the Secretary of State in another audit um, several times uh, over the past recent years has kind of faulted the board on and that legislators have never really acted on. Lucas, thanks very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Lucas Manfield covers criminal justice for Willamette Week. If you tune in to Think Out Loud because you love learning about what's happening in our region, you'll love listening to The Evergreen. This weekly podcast paints an audio portrait of the Pacific Northwest through the stories of the people who live here. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.